It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to KFI AM 640 on demand. Ernie, thank you for being so patient. Welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Good morning. My name is Ernie, and I'm from Los Angeles. Um, Yesterday, I experienced a death in the family. My granddaddy passed away at 102. Now, throughout the last four to five days, I was at the hospital comforting him and making him feel as comfortable as I can. My question is, um, the dying process was very difficult for me because of him. His kidneys were going out, and his lungs were flaring up. Mm. Um, everything was just shutting down in his body. I, my question is, why did it take so long for God to come for him? Well, I understand that the question comes uh, from a very emotional place, and rightly so. Uh, as you watch someone like that go through that process, um, of decay and death, uh, it's incredibly painful. Yeah, um, but you have to look at the overall scheme of things. Some people might ask, "My goodness, he lived to 102. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of living in there, and there's many people that would love that extra 20, maybe 30 years uh, exactly. than what what than what they got." So there's a lot of questions, but keep in mind that. You are brought into this world by the pain of someone else, mm-hmm. and you'll leave this world in your own pain. And right. both of these, uh, both of these truths, are to be seen in the, in their proper context. And if you want some specific philosophical reason as to why your hundred and two year old grandfather suffered uh, for twenty eight days or so while in the hospital. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to give you one, but or at least one that would satisfy you. But I will tell you, there is always a purpose, and there's things to be learned, whether it's um, the questions that you're asking now, whether it's the process of understanding that life is temporal and there is pain involved. Uh, there's also the understanding of uh, pain and suffering and what kind of purpose it has not only on the individual but the people around them. If... This is not the first time your grandfather suffered. Uh, Now, this may have been the last time, but it wasn't the first time. People suffer throughout their lives, and I guarantee a person uh, of 102 years of age has gone through a lot of suffering in their life and seen a lot of things, both uh, worldwide and in their own lives. So suffering is one of those things that people uh, kind of want to run from and it really is part of the process. I say throughout Scripture, listen, you're going to suffer. I suffered. You're going to suffer. It's going to be a part of being human. Now, the, it makes more sense when you see someone kind of suffer and then go on with their life and maybe grow from that suffering or understand it. When it comes at the end, it's a legitimate question. You look around, Ernie, and you go, well, what can be learned of it? He's, he's dying. Where is he taking that? And the best way to explain it is that your life is a refining process. 
It is a path that God has you on to refine you unto the moment of death for heaven. And whether there was something more to be learned by your grandfather, something more to be learned by you and the others around him, is for God uh, to know and explain when you stand before him. Because the entire process of refinement and the, the if you look at and think of it as metal being refined, it's, it's heated to an intense degree to where all the dirt and imperfections come to the surface and then uh, the blacksmith will scrape the dross off the top and continue to heat it up again and continue to do that until it's as pure as possible. And life is the same way. And in that process, even unto death, that process is going on, that process of refinement and understanding and whether your grandfather could say it or not or was experiencing something, you don't know. It's, it's between uh, him and his maker and the things that are going on and the learning process that is taking place uh, goes on to the, to the, the moment of death. And it should not be assumed otherwise. Yet it's never going to be easy to watch. It wasn't easy to watch when he would suffer in life, let alone suffer in death, correct? That's correct. Thank you so much. You helped me understand a lot better. You're welcome. And you go in peace with that, Ernie. I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, I think that is a wonderful celebration of a life. 102 years is an amazing uh, amount of time and uh, to live and to touch countless of lives yourself, uh, 102 years, including the life of his grandson, you, Ernie, who uh, had to watch that. And I'm, I'm sorry for that pain in the sense that I understand what it feels like and looks like uh, to be around it. However, the biggest, the biggest part of the picture is that there's more to it than that pain. And that pain is actually uh, points to the preciousness of life and the importance of life and the vibrancy of life. Otherwise, that pain wouldn't matter. It only matters because life is precious and people are precious. And the time that you have here, whether it's uh, 70, 80, 90, or 102 years, is precious. And even in that suffering, I, I know the world is kind of trying to go to this place where nobody should suffer. But I say in Scripture, you will suffer as I have suffered, and it has a purpose. All of it, whether you know it or not, whether you learn it or not. The purpose in this case might have been for your grandfather, might have been for you, might have been for others. But it's all suffering has a purpose, if for nothing else than to understand that it will happen and uh, that God said it will happen. Jessica, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello. Hi, Jessica. Hi. How can I help you? Um, yes, I just had a question regarding my husband. Um, we've been married for like 11 years now, mm -hmm. and we have three children. And occasionally he, well, not occasionally, um, it's been pretty often where he likes to, he's an alcoholic and he likes to drink, and it's getting to the point where I don't let him watch the children while I'm at work anymore. And he kind of bullies them, and he's just a whole different person. And I just, he's apologized many times, but I'm just so 
set up that I don't know what to do because it's just it's like black and white with them. He uh, can be so normal, and then they could totally change him around. It's just yeah, alcohol can do that. Uh, this what's his what's his alcohol of choice, by the way? Beer. Um. Yeah, beer. Okay. And how much would you say he drinks on an average day? Um, well, recently it's just, well, sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's a couple times a week or every other week. And is it the six-pack that he drinks? Is it a 12-pack that he drinks in one sitting? Um, maybe three or four. Okay. It doesn't take too much. Gotcha. Um, okay. And uh, has he ever been through a program? Has he ever been to AA or anything like that? No, just through court-ordered, but... He didn't. He just went because, you know, he had to. But. Oh, he's been court-ordered in the past. Yeah. And why did that come about? Did he get a DUI or what happened? Oh, yeah. He has several DUIs. Um, and um, he, just, he just felt like he had to go. Wow. So that puts, uh, that puts you in a pretty horrible position. Um, what is yeah. your question for me this morning? Um, just your advice on whether what to do because it's just like I feel like he's almost another child that I'm taking care of, and he just takes up a lot of my energy. And Does, has he ever hit uh, you or the children? Yes. Uh, you or the children, or both? Um, me, but like he like tries to teach him how to fight when he's drunk, but it's just not safe. Oh, I guess both. Sure, I understand. Um, it's the most important thing is that you protect yourself and those children. And if you feel it's an unsafe uh, environment or you feel that he's violent or that he has a problem, you can give him the ultimatum to take care of it um, or that you're going to go. You, you can't just sit there and wait till something happens ugly. Um, if he's a good man outside of that situation... Um, then you need to do everything in your power to get him outside of that situation. And that is, uh, whether it's an ultimatum or what have you, if, if you think that an ultimatum would throw him into rage, then you need to get out of that, that home. And he has a, a severe problem, and it sounds like he knows he does, and he's wrestling with it, and he needs to get somewhere um, where somebody can help him uh, go through the process. But don't put yourself and those children in danger uh, because you are the sober one. You have the ability to see what's going on, and that makes you accountable to make sure it doesn't happen. James, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Uh, Yes, sir. The question I have for you is, uh, a lot of churches um, teach that tithing is a requirement. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people put their their members under that system and tell them it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. And, of course, over time, I run across a lot of people that have trouble paying it. They can't afford to pay it. Um, they have a lot of troubles, and they feel like they can't move forward in ministry because they cannot perform this financial um, obligation. Obligation, sure. exactly. Um, and when I went to study the scriptures, I determined that this is something um, that's not a, re- a requirement for day- today's New Testament Christian. Correct. Um, and so I, I, I want to kind of get your thoughts on why so many churches teach this doctrine, which if you really read scripture, it says anybody that, that justifies themselves by the law actually becomes a curse. Well, in this particular, and, and that's, a, that's a whole different discussion unto itself, right. I will, I'll, right. I'll answer for the sake of time looking at tithing. This concept of a tenth in Hebrew 
uh, and you'll find in the Old Testament, was uh, a command that was for the purpose of giving back that which you receive and having right. and making sure that that you're giving back to the people of God and the things of God. The Levites, uh, right? Yeah. In this particular case, you can reference uh, Psalm twenty-four one and also uh, Malachi uh, three eight through ten, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that does change. As as a matter of fact, throughout Scripture, you'll see that there's no place where, where I reference, um, you know, uh, tithing uh, that it needs to be done. I don't say that the disciples have to do it. Um, there's no record concerning any of the New Testament writers saying that there's this Christian tithe or anything like that. Um, the early church practiced a sharing of material goods. First Corinthians sixteen uh, one and two Ephesians. 428. Um, that's kind of the, the model. Also, you're asked to be a living sacrifice for God in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And to give materially as the Lord leads you to give. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. If you are in a church and you are a member of a church, you should be giving. Just because if you're not, you're taking from that church. You're going and you're receiving, whether it's air-conditioned or not, or any of these things. You're you're taking from that church, and you should be giving back to that particular community, part of your community. As far as giving, the tithe, the 10%, is you know a great way for people to kind of get it in their head that this is a good standard. I think that's mostly why churches still refer to it as a tithe and still give the 10%. If you want to do the mathematics of it all— it really comes out to, if you go through Scripture, about 21%. But the, the purpose of tithing is just to get yourself in the mindset that when, when you're receiving, you should be giving. And if you're partaking in a church and you should be giving back, it's not that God needs the money. God doesn't need your money. It's that the church does to continue to work and to do good things and to give to others and all of those things. So don't take, don't steal from the church. However, if uh, if... If 10% is what helps you, do 10%. But if you could give more, Bible essentially says give till it hurts. We have just a little bit of time. If you do have a question, uh, I don't know that we'll be able to get to it, so I won't give the phone numbers. We'll deal with what we have on the board right now. We were actually chatting with uh, Jeff. He was asking about uh, people that die early if life is about progressing, learning, understanding, um, then if someone dies early, what does that mean? Um, so you back with us, Jeff? I am. Thank you. So the, the first one I shared with you is one of the theories uh, that the belief is, as I talked about, um, different people with physical ability going to a gym. There are some that are, are, are going to get built more quickly, and there are some that are going to take longer. And there are those that theorize that someone that gets taken early doesn't need as much time here. And then there's people that poo-poo that, and um, quite honestly, the, it is the belief of this program that it's about being accountable for the time that you have, not having enough time to become accountable. So if somebody gets taken early, it's about what they do with that information of that time. Obviously, if they're very, very young, they're not conflicting with any of those things, but they're also not stepping in the same traps that pull them away from God in the same way, in the same sense, younger people are more uh, adaptive and connected to God than people who become cynical or go through different stages of their life as they get older. So um, in that sense, I think is a big picture thing that there are those that uh, 
it's really about where you are being accountable for where you are in that moment rather than gosh if i only had 10 more days i could get this right that's not that's not what you're being uh judged against so everyone has their uh the, the lessons that they need to know or the things that they need to know and for however long you live you're going to be going through different lessons but that doesn't mean if you have a shorter life you're not getting lessons or understanding or connecting with god in any way shape or form okay well it seems like there'd be a, a difference there because young people say if they were eight years old wouldn't be learning things that they need to learn and you would have to do that to have a, a the perfection that heaven is supposed to be or or life here on earth, you would have to have some sort of way of learning to be able to respond uh, in a different way, or maybe I'm just not understanding what happened. No, a, an eight-year-old doesn't have the conflict either. The The eight-year-old is not going up against all of the philosophical conflicts with the concept they believe. Uh, there's a, a, a wonderful magician who was a friend of the show. He passed away, and his name was uh, Dean Dill. And he was a beautiful man and a Christian. And he taught magic to all kinds of people, including people like Johnny Carson and the like, and was believed to be a, a magician's magician and did parties and all kinds of things like that. And he was asked to do a party for a five-year-old one time. And in a conversation with my producer, Neil, uh, he said that he turned it down my producer, Neil, asked him why, and he said, because at five, everything's already magic. The kids kids aren't surprised because everything's already magical. There, there hasn't been any cynicism. There hasn't been anything that has pressed through their life to change that from who they are. So they're already in that state. So the process of learning on this earth is an important one, but it's also learning about love and connectivity and things like that. And that comes in different stages and different ways for different people. And it doesn't mean that if you're here till 80 years that there's still things you need to learn to get into heaven. What it means is as long as you're on this planet, you should be learning. It's not like you graduate, you pass. I know we talk about that. My producer, Neil, even used that term that someone graduates to heaven. That's that next step. But it's not about fulfilling a number of classes or things like that. That's not what it's about at all. It's about however long you're here to continue to learn and connect with God throughout these things. Heaven is going to be a different place in a different way. But God, the, the belief is, is if you are connecting with God in this world, with everything pulling you away, that you will get a clear picture and a connection with God and uh, when you're in heaven. But those things are individual and different based on uh, you know, the, the, the person that's going through them. So it don't think of it as, you know, a syllabus and a class and you've got to check these certain things off. If you are alive at a certain time in your life, yes, you should be doing those things, but you don't need them to be a whole person in any way, shape or form. So somebody that passes away younger, um, are still a whole person in any, in every way, shape or form and have been tested in one way or another uh, to, sh to show their beliefs or their understanding. It's about, remember, it's about acceptance or rejection. It's not about ignorance. Um, so it's about being accountable for what you do know, uh, not for what you don't know. 
Pam, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, how are you? I am well. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Um, this question is bigger than myself. <laughs> I'll do my best to ask it. Um, I'm a little naive in the, in the word, but I, I'm a big believer in you. So um, my question is, how does the possibility of life on, in other um, galaxies work in with the scripture of God created the heavens and the earth? Um, I mean, because there's science and there's God's word, you know, evolution. I, it just that whole area can kind of confuses me, and it's interesting at the same time. Kind of get a sense of what I'm asking. <laughs> so, you are about life on other planets, or about well, like how does how does it figure into scripture and um, working with the theory of evolution versus God creating the heavens and the earth? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, science is perfect, but scientists aren't. And I like the science idea of evolution. Yeah. But I'm also in the belief that God created the heavens and the earth. Well, there's... How would I explain there's, something else? You there's know? mishmash. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff that people tie together. There is something called theistic evolution. Okay. Um, uh, this show doesn't focus a whole lot on that. Uh, my producer, Neil, is not a a huge fan of it because you have to understand there's a evolution is, is a theory. And I know that you'll get some people now going, Oh yeah, but theoretically, blah, blah, blah. I say that because there is not one form of evolution. There's not an agreement that scientists have come to. There are parts of it that they have come to and, and that they believe took place, but there isn't one theory of evolution. And most, your average everyday person is ignorant of that. They use the term and they don't usually even know what it means. Uh, There are many theories as to what took place, how it took place, why it took place, where it took Mm -hmm. place. So, and you're dealing with special and general types of um, evolution. So don't get confused. Don't confuse adaptation with evolution. Okay. Adaptation is that within its own kind, things can change. Uh, for instance, if you put uh, humans in a cave and they lived in the darkness, they would ed- adapt by modifying uh, the ability of their skin. You know, the skin, they would l- lose the melanin or it would be- go to very um, uh, small levels. Um, their eyes would probably glaze over, the muscles would weaken, and they wouldn't use them or need them anymore. Um, so th- there's things where, you know, you see this in sk- skin color. There's only one color of skin. There's only one color of humanity, and that's melanin. And there are people with more of it and people with less of it. But there's only one color. There's only one true race, uh, the human race. Um, and any modifications of nose eyelids hair things like that are are adaptations they're not evolutionary breaks there's no group that's less than or better than evolutionarily in humanity there's adaptations within that great group uh for areas uh the inuit people will have a little more fatty tissue above their eyes to keep them warm in uh in very cold environments things like that that's adaptation Evolution is if one thing jumps a kind or a phylum and 
becomes something else. Um, and that's a whole different thing. So there, there's, there's no Christian, well, there shouldn't be, that doesn't believe in adaptation. That would be silly. Uh, people adapt all the time. But within uh, different phylums or jumping or branching from one place, you know, uh, single-celled, uh, uh, you know, amoeba jumping to uh, becoming a fish, becoming a turtle, uh, becoming a lizard, becoming a human, uh, that's a, a, a different concept. So it depends where you land on that and what your belief is of that. Um, as I said, I think it's once every five years there is a, uh, a council of sort where scientists get together to discuss um, the concept of evolution. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that they have landed completely on and this is like this is the model because it changes. The original model by... Charles Darwin does not exist. It never exists, never panned out. So there's different models that are based on that throughout the years. And it depends what what you land on as to um, whether it would fit in Scripture. Some of it fits absolutely. Um, But in Genesis, when it talks about creation, it's talking about building or creating animals unto their kind, which means they wouldn't cross phylums. So that there's a hard place to bring that into scripture. Um, but there are other adaptations and things like that, that wouldn't conflict with scripture in any way, shape or form. Okay. So life on other planets, if that were to be true. Now life on other planets is a different story because now you get into the problem of salvation. So, uh, because I came and I even said, I'm glad that I came as a human and not as an angel. Um, because I'm here to uh, redeem mankind, right? So okay. now you would have the problem if life was on other planets, it, is it human? If it's human, is it sinful? If it's not sinful, why? If it is sinful, then it needs to be redeemed. If it needs to be redeemed, now how is it going to be redeemed? Uh, do I go to every planet and become like them to redeem them and die on a cross or somehow on every single planet? Um, did my death on this planet cover other planets? There's, it opens up a lot of questions that are, I think, highly problematic for Christianity. And if they found life like humanity, not just, well, it looks like there's some, you know, watermarks on this planet, (laughs) but real genuine life. Hello, how are you? Take me to your leader life. Um, there could be significant problems with Christianity. And I know a lot of people don't want to face that. And a lot of people that love our buddy George Norrie and all that might think differently, but um, that's, that's the theological reality. I know that uh, on talk radio, you hear all kinds of things throughout the week. They can bring it down or be heavy stuff. But I hope this show is a respite, a place where you can gather sanctuary for your thoughts and for ideas uh, of growth and uh, inspiration. And I just ask one thing of you. I ask this of you during this time of year to focus in on on each other. And I don't mean just your immediate family, but your neighbors and the people around you. And find that, that time, that place of courtesy. Like, go above and beyond 
to be courteous to each other, whether it's on the roads or at the grocery store, whatever it is, do just a little bit extra and show those lines of hope and those those opportunities to say, hey, we're all in this together, right? As humans, you need to connect with one another and to, to show that love to one another. God sees that. God wants you to do it. God asks you to count all things joy. James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. Whenever, whenever you face trials, I know you're going through things now. First Thessalonians 5.18, to give thanks in all circumstance and to find that peace during the holiday season, no matter which holiday you may be celebrating, to find that peace, uh, to be a conduit of joy and happiness and hope. And in that, and in that hope, it spreads, I assure you, like a wildfire. Bringing people peace, pointing them in a direction, helping them out somewhere, whatever it may be, go the extra mile, push forward, doing things, and that's what brings consistency and happiness. Every single individual coming together and saying, hey, I'm going to look out for you, you look out for me. I'm going to help you out, you help me. And being there for each other. It's as corny as it may seem. I know you hear a lot of people yelling and screaming into this very microphone. But I will tell you that what I'm telling you now is at the center of it all. How you treat one another. And how you produce and perpetuate hope. That's the only thing that's going to help. Otherwise, you can scream till you're red in the face. Nothing's going to change. So do that. Find ways to, to help people, uh, to do nice things, to be kind, to reassure people, to be loving, no matter who they are, agree or disagree, any of that stuff, and the world will be a better place, I assure you. And uh, remember these simple words. I am with you always. KFI AM 640, on demand. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.